what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Hello, this is Razzing Grassi. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. We have another exciting guest this week. We're coming to you live from San Rafael in beautiful Northern California. I am Razzing Grassi, the president of the Hoffman Institute. And if you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating 45 years as the leading personal development program, empowering people who are serious about change in 13 centers across 11 countries. And we've helped about 80,000 people. Uh, my co-host today is Ed McLoon. Afternoon, Raz. <laughs> Afternoon, Ed. <laughs> what is this, our eighth or ninth show now? Something, something like that. And I, I just think we need to th- thank everybody from our staff to all the people who have been tuning in. I'm, we're actually enjoying more success than I think we even could have imagined with the show. So thanks to everybody for tuning in this afternoon as well. Our purpose is to bring inspiration, information, education from uh, a wide variety of people who are making a difference in their own world, uh, like our guest today, Lynn Twist, and to, um, I guess you'd say, energize the community of both Hoffman grads and people interested in our work to keep shifting, keep changing, keep growing into a loving world. The Hoffman process is offered in... Uh, Many countries all over the all over the world, about thirty times a year here in the United States. And if you at all are interested in uh, learning more about the Hoffman process, we have a free and confidential weekly introductory call at five o'clock every Tuesday afternoon, including this one. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can go to our website, HoffmanInstitute.org, for the call-in details um, on the again the introduction call about the Hoffman process. That's at 5 o'clock Pacific time this afternoon. And to, to introduce our guest this afternoon, Lynn Twist, give it back to you, Raz. Okay, thanks. Well, Lynn and I have been friends for, I think, close to 40 years. I don't know how that's possible since we're only we're both only about 45 <laughs> years old. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, today we're speaking with Lynn. She's the author of The Soul of Money. She's the founder of The Soul of Money Institute. She's a dear friend of mine and the Hoffman Institute. Lynn is a very rare person who has dedicated her life to global initiatives that can create a sustainable future for everyone on Earth. And she's a co-founder of the Pachamama Alliance, uh, working with indigenous people in the Amazons and striving to educate and inspire people everywhere 
to bring forth a thriving, just, socially just, and sustainable world. Um, Lynn is, I just have to call her a, a global visionary, uh, and she has inspired so many people. She's received all kinds of awards, not the least of which is the Women of, Woman of Distinction Award from the United Nations. And without further ado, I'd like to just introduce Lynn Twist. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, Raz. Thank you Hi. so much. I'm delighted to be on your show. Thank you for inviting well, we're me. We're so happy to have you here. For all our listeners who may not be familiar with the soul of what does the soul of money mean? You've got the soul of money instituted almost self sounds uh, like a contradiction in terms. All these years we've been hearing that, you know, people have sold their souls for money and money <laughs> is the root of all evil, but you're talking about the soul of money. What do you mean by that? Well, it's a kind of a trick title because it generates exactly that question. So, um, the, this, the soul of money really means, uh, to think about uh, your soul and money, and how do those two things come together? You know, money doesn't really have a soul, but we do, and we can give soul to money, and we can use money much more soulfully than we do. And it's been my great privilege to work in um, in many, many parts of this world as a fundraiser and as a philanthropist, and so that gives you the, the great access to all kinds of people and um, has you really look into our broad and deep relationship with money and in almost everywhere you go it's dysfunctional it's there's a lot of suffering people are kind of lost in their relationship with money even the people who have billions of dollars so we got a kind of soulless society with money so i thought if i said the soul of money would get everybody's interest and it usually does okay we're interested what's what's the message about this how do we link our soul and our money together what is that about uh, well, I think we live in a world that has become so commercialized, such a monetized society. You know, I've, I've learned my lessons from people I used to call poor, who I now realize are resource poor. They're not poor, but their circumstances are poor, and they're whole and complete people living in those circumstances. And I've also learned my lessons about money from people I used to call rich. And uh, the truth about them is they're whole and complete people living in the ebb and flow of excess resources, and sometimes the tyranny of excess resources, and then all of us in between. And then... Of course, recently in the last 16 years, I've had the opportunity to work with people in the Amazon who don't even know that money exists, and you know they they've started to kind of understand that if they don't understand money, they can't in, interact with us even. And they say to us, um, uh, "You can't hunt for it. You can't eat it. Why would anybody want it? You know, for them, it's kind of silly because they're very prosperous and they live without any money at all. Um, they just live in the forest and partake of what what is naturally theirs." But in our monetized, commercialized, um, over-consuming society, money has become exalted to the be-all, end-all, and we've lost our way with it. We've made it more important than human life, more important but, than the natural world, and more important than, than spirit. And that, but what I, what knows I found in reading your Lynn, what I found in reading your book is that you um, bring that meaning, that meaning of that's deep in our souls, back to money by a simple. I mean, what I got was. For me, fairly simple, which is just to understand, to look at money as energy mm-hmm. and then look into my soul and see what am I committed to and what do I want to give my energy to and di- really directing then from a soul's, from my soul's perspective, from the deep meaning perspective, where am I going to direct my energy and for what purposes? And is that kind of how you're looking at it? Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a great way to say it. I mean, you, really what we, 
we've sort of lost our way with money and we now try to accumulate it. Um, when in fact it was invented 4,500 years ago to facilitate the flow of goods and resources and facilitate sharing goods and resources. But what we now do is transact goods and resources in service of money rather than the other way around. So we've, we've kind of lost our way. And uh-huh. um, when you talk about energy, it's absolutely true that um, you want to produce uh, good things for the world. You want to exchange with other people uh, services that you can provide and for services that they can provide. And we don't even, you know, we didn't even need money until 45 years, 4,500 years ago. And then we've gotten caught by it. We've gotten bamboozled by it. And we made it up. It's our invention. So um, what, when you think of it as energy, that is a, a helpful way to disengage or dis, disaggregate this kind of mania about money that's part of a consumer culture. Obviously, we've got advertising and, and um, marketing uh, in this country that's so intense and so skillful that we all think we need more of everything, when in <laughs> fact, we'll probably find us the way we are. Um, t- t- tell us just a little bit then about the concept that's also in your book, and I know that you uh, share with people, the concept of sufficiency. You know, sufficiency versus what we're always taught about, you know, more, bigger, better. How do we well, find sufficiency, and what does that mean to us? What can um, that mean to well, us? Well, I have to first, be, before I really define sufficiency, sort of need to clear away what I call the lie of scarcity, the unconscious, mm. unexamined belief that there's not enough to go around and someone somewhere is always going to be left out. More is better of anything and everything, and that's just the way that it is. I call those the three toxic myths. There's not enough, more is better, and that's just the way that it is. The three toxic myths uh-huh. of the lie of scarcity. And when you're looking through that lens, it's, it's an unconscious, unexamined lens that comes with a consumer commercialized culture where you kind of can't see the forest or the trees. It's almost like wearing glasses that you don't even know you've got on. And when you take them off, you see, oh, my God, I have what I need. Um, and that's when you can actually see what I call the radical surprising truth, which is sufficiency, uh, enough. And when I say sufficiency or enough, it sounds like I'm talking about an amount. But actually I'm not. I'm talking about an experience of being with what life provides for you. And when you're chasing more all the time, you kind of, it, it, it sort of eclipses the beauty, blessing, and bounty of how the universe meets us perfectly over and over and over again and gives us exactly what we need. And I call that sufficiency. I call it the radical surprising truth. But you kind of can't see it until you clear away the chase. So sufficiency is an experience. It's an experience. It's almost a declaration also. So there's a wonderful principle that, of sufficiency, and it's this. If you, if you let go of trying to get more of what you don't really need, which is what we're clamoring to get more of, mm. it frees up oceans and oceans of energy to turn and pay attention to and make a difference with what you already have. When you make a difference with what you already have, it expands. Wow. Another way of saying that is what you appreciate appreciates right so well, i think we've all had the experience of uh not being able to get enough of what we don't really want <laughs> right. so. you know i mean it looks so attractive to buy the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing but once you have it it's a problem you don't know where to put it you've already got it right. you know you have to put it in the landfill eventually and one of the kind of 
fastest growing industries in the United States, this is very telling about our, our country, is storage. If you think about what storage is, and it's a huge industry now, it's putting stuff that we can't fit in our houses that are filled with stuff in some other structure that we need to build for extra stuff. <laughs> and I've learned from indigenous people who don't have any concept of ownership and don't want to have ownership, um, they say in their tribes, uh, their nations, especially the Achuar, that if someone takes more than they need in their culture, they think they're mentally ill, and they send them to, sh- to the shaman for healing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a... We, we send people to the shamans if they don't... Uh, we call them therapists, right? <laughs> if, if they can't if they can't conform to the... Uh, to the the culture as it is well anyway this is amazing and i love what you're doing it's so important as we are all concerned with how do we make this world work and how is there enough for everyone and uh, and money seems to be in the way but actually you're showing us it's a pathway it can be a pathway yes raz we're going to have to take a break pretty quick here so um why don't you hold that question let me, let me interrupt and we'll come back with lynn twist the founder of the soul of money institute award-winning author and global change leader in sustainable development if you'd like to be a participant give us a call to ask a question of liz of lynn it's 866-472-5788 that's 866-472-5788 here on the hoffman connection Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. 
And welcome back to the Hoffman Connection. I'm Ed McClune with Raz and Grassi, and today we're talking with Lynn Twist, author of The Soul of Money and a pioneer in the field of sustainable development. Um, and we'd like you to, to invite you to join us on the air here if you have questions of Lynn. The number, again, is 866-472-5788. And right now, we've got Robert in Nevada on the line for Lynn. Robert, good afternoon. Are you still there, Robert? Okay, Robert? so Robert, if you're still out there, please don't hesitate to give us a call back. Lynn, can I, can I just ask you, how does a person, or maybe just how did you go from you know, doing your own personal work to having this enormous inspiration that you have that is making such a huge difference. I mean, it went from a seeker yourself to somebody who said, I want, I want a big contribution and I want to take my personal life, my love, my passion out onto a, a really huge stage. Well, I, I, I don't really know there's a, if there's a, you know, three steps to success there. I, I feel very fortunate that I have had such a, incredibly blessed life, uh, what I call a committed life. And when I say that, I mean it's really my commitments that wake me up in the morning and my commitments tell me where to go, my commitments tell me what to wear, who to talk to, rather than my basic wants or desires. They get kind of superseded or over, um, over, over let's see, I, I, I just go by my commitments and what I've given my word to. And um, when I began working, um, full time. It was with the Hunger Project, and I uh, was committed and am still committed to ending world hunger. And that commitment took me to India. It took me to Sub-Saharan Africa. It had me sit at the feet of Mother Teresa. It had me um, uh, meet Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Tutu and work with women in the fields in Ethiopia after the famine. And I, I, I kept pinching myself, how did I get a life like this? And I knew it wasn't just for me. Um, and my personal development path really almost came through my global service rather than the other way around. Um, I think most people think, well, when you get your whole life together, you'll want to be of service to the rest of the world, and I think that may be true. But somehow I got catapulted into the world of global uh, service, which actually transformed my life. So it's almost like uh, it all happened at once. And um, I think when you realize uh, that what is really going on in the world, and you realize that maybe you could do something about it, no one could stop you from being of service. When you really get, you can make a difference with your life, um, which is, I think, what everybody wants and hopes is true. And when I discovered that, at least for me, it is true, you couldn't have stopped me. So uh, it's all kind of one for me. And at the same time, I know that personal development is absolutely crucial to global transformation. So I respect any path in any order. Uh, we all need to be at work in transforming the world and ourselves at the same time. Lynn, could you comment just a little bit more on the relationship as you see it between personal and social transformation? Because I know that you have been on a, a path of personal transformation, and it has informed your social transformational work and, and back the other way as well. So what well, do you think the relationship is? I think it's it's absolutely integrated. So one of the most powerful things I did with my personal path was take the Hoffman course. Um, the Hoffman course absolutely 
transformed my life. And it, you know, in many ways, the Hoffman course for me completed my relationship with my parents. And I didn't take it when I was 10 or 12 or, or even 21. I took it when I was in my 50s. Uh, I think I took it when I was in my 50s. I, I, it's a while back now. But I, I took it when by then I should have been complete with my parents. But I don't think anybody really is until someone gives you a chance to really look at that relationship the way I did in that mm. remarkable course. And that made me a much more useful civil servant, public servant. Um, any personal work that I've done... I now do in service of being a more um, powerful and useful and clear, clean instrument uh, for the good. And so I think if you're really up to something, and even if you're not, <laughs> because if you do have a, a personal path of growth and development, you end up wanting to be up to something larger than your own, star- own life starring you. And so um, both the S training, which is very important to me, meditation has been important to me, my work with Buckminster Fuller, my work with Mother Teresa, the Hoffman process, um, working with indigenous people, all of them have at their heart a spiritual root. And I think unless you actually find that spiritual soil for yourself, you can't be truly, truly useful in the world because you'll get burnout. I think burnout is actually a symptom of being disconnected from source, from true source, thinking that it's you doing all this stuff. And so if you're actually going to make a difference with your life, it's critical, I think, that you do your personal work. Otherwise, your personal baggage gets in the way of your service, and it gets amplified the more powerful you get, the more your personal baggage or the things you haven't worked out um, can do really some serious play serious mischief in the world today. And we so see that true. in our political leaders sometimes. Well, you know, what you said reminds me of a quote I read many, many years ago by Albert Schweitzer, who I think he was giving a commencement speech, and the quote, as I recall it, was, I don't know who among you will be successful, but this I can tell you, only those, the only ones among you who will be happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Absolutely. And there's something about a person's deepest spirit that spontaneously wants to contribute and serve. So I, uh, I love, I love what you just said. Ed, uh, there's some people on the phone, aren't there? Yeah, we've got a couple of callers. I think we've got Robert back on the line. So um, let's see if we can get you on here, Robert. Are you still there? I am the here. Please, what have you got to say to Lynn? Well, Lynn, first, it's great to uh, hear from you, and and uh, and hello to Raz as well. Being a graduate of the Hoffman process and a lifelong student of the soul of money. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Um, you know, just yesterday, um, I found myself looking at what's the next sports car. You know, flew into San Francisco, checking it out, looked at all the people, looked at all the wealth that's in that room, and just felt something's missing. Mm. You know, there's so much wealth, and then there's, it just seems so impoverished. And uh, it just, it just never, things just don't satisfy what you're pointing to. Yes. They never do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just, I don't know if you want me to comment on that or if you Please, have a question. Yes. Well, I think we should uh, really uh, sometimes look at the derivation of words. It's very helpful for me, and the... Uh, etymology of the word wealth comes from well-being. 
And I think the well of being that is the Hoffman course, that is the work of Pachamama Alliance, it's probably the work that you do, uh, deepening the well of being is where true wealth actually lives. It doesn't live in the accumulation of things. In fact, people who are truly happy, just like Albert Schweitzer's quote that Raz just, uh, just talked about, are people who uh, are known for what they allocate, not what they accumulate. Um, and yet we have a society that is um, you know, kind of hell-bent on getting us completely addicted to accumulating stuff. Yeah. And it's very difficult to disengage from that. It's a tyranny. It's, 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 it's almost like raining on us all the time. But it doesn't mean we have to buy in. Um, we have the opportunity... I remember there's a wonderful quote by Aristotle that I love. I have in my wallet. It says, Aristotle said, I love going to the market to see all the things that I don't need. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in a way, um, that's, that's an opportunity, particularly now when the world is awash with uh, way more excess, way more stuff going into landfills, a whole uh, island the size of Texas out in the Pacific Ocean with all of our waste, our plastic bottles and stuff. We actually need to realize that we can't keep going at this rate. Uh, we're going to choke ourselves to death. And so it's a really powerful time, and I think the financial crisis is in, in many ways it's a terrible thing, but in many ways it's a beautiful thing because I call it the financial cleansing I call it a financial purification. It's actually an opportunity to recalibrate our relationship with money. And if we use it that way, uh, we'll come out the other side of this, a very different culture and a culture that knows what true value is. Well, Lynn, with so much happening at a sort of a mega level, uh, how can we as individuals create a more sustainable world in, in the meaningful ways that are, you know, right available, that are available to each of us? What would you suggest we do? Well, I think both um, creating a more meaningful world and a more uh, meaningful life are one and the same. If we really look at what we value, what we care most about, it's our relationships. It's belonging to the community, not the belongings we, um, we pile up. Uh, and if we can actually see that um, we can live a life of more meaning, deeper values, by seeing money as something that flows through our life, not something that we need to hold on to or hoard or accumulate. Um, you know, many people uh, think money belongs to them, but in a way, if you think about it, money flows through every life, and it belongs to all of us or none of us, and it's just moving around. And when it's moving, it purifies, it cleanses, it makes things, it makes things grow, just like water. If you can think about water moving around, um, money's kind of like that. But when you hold it or hoard it, um, just like water, it, it can make you toxic. It can actually make you sick. You, you can't see any longer. Um, and that's the kind of thing we need to pay attention to in a way that we look at what's most valuable to us. It's not what we have. It's who we are and our connectivity with other human beings, our connectivity with the natural world, our connectivity with the spiritual soil of our lives. And when we do that, in, in, in courses like Hoffman and the work of Pachamama is like that too, or I'm working now with the Nobel Women Peace Laureates, and, and they won the Nobel Peace Prize not because they accumulated awards and accomplishments, but because they are deeply connected, each one of them, um, to something that I would call the soul of humanity. And that's who they serve and that's where they come from. Um, so 
we all have that opportunity at any time to transform the very nature of our lives. And hopefully this call will make a difference in the courses that we all um, have taken from Hoff and make a huge difference in that regard. Well, Lynn, one of the really unique things I've observed about you over the years is that you work with people that span the entire socioeconomic spectrum, uh, whether they're resource-rich or resource-poor, you see the spiritual dimension in them. And I, and I see you as someone who is integrating, uh, integrating the haves and the have-nots, if you will, bringing us together. And, and I, out of speaking with you today, see that the common, the common ground is that soul, is that spiritual dimension of, of all people, and that if we pay attention to that, we have much greater access to reality as you're speaking about it. Well, I learned when I worked for the Hunger Project, and I know you um, had a lot of Hunger Project experience too, Raz, that the people that we used to call have-nots or think of as have-nots and think of ourselves as haves it are, are so incredible. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're intelligent, they're creative, they're innovative, they're, they have dignity and they exhibit more courage to live through a day than we're going to need in our lifetime, as our friend has said. And when you really get to know them, people that I used to call poor, there's nothing poor about them. In fact, the uh, harsh and sometimes brutal circumstances that they're living in almost force or you could say foment a deeper relationship with their inner resources, inner riches because they don't have any outer riches to depend on, so they have to go into their inner riches. And um, working side-by-side with people like women in Ethiopia after the 1984-1985 famine who lost every single child to starvation. One woman I, I, I spent many days with had lost 11 children to starvation. She had no children left, and neither did these oh other women God. in a circle. And all of them um, were were some of the most amazing people I've, I've ever, ever known. And the depth of their courage, the depth of the dignity to pull themselves back up and begin to create a second half of life as childless mothers, which is not popular in Ethiopia, um, was so inspiring. And I, pa- I paired them with, there were seven of them in a circle where we, we shared space after the famine and they, and we grieved over the children that they lost. And I paired them with seven women in New York who, uh, who were soulless, basically. I mean, they had a soul, but they weren't in touch with it. Whereas these Ethiopian women were so filled with spirit. And so these seven women in Ethiopia and the seven women in New York ended up working together. The women in New York were in an investment club and they had way more money than they need and they were looking for something to make their life more meaningful. And I put these two groups together and you would think, well, there were the haves in New York and the have-nots in Ethiopia, but it wasn't true at all. I mean, it didn't set it up that way. They were co-equal partners in ending world hunger. And the women in Ethiopia, they had so many skills, so much strength. They could look at their cattle and tell when they were thirsty by the color of their fur. They knew the local language. They knew how to dry farm. They knew how to navigate a corrupt government. They knew all kinds of things. They were they had huge assets, assets that were critical. While the women in New York had influence, financial assets, and those two uh, came together, those two groups came together in service of a common goal, and I call that solidarity, not charity. And one of my life's missions is to transform charity into solidarity, co-equal partnership. 
you know, we used to say in the Hunger Project, there aren't a billion mouths to feed. No, there's a billion hungry people standing on the front lines of the end of hunger, courageously working on the end of hunger, and it's our privilege to stand with them, to join them in co-equal partnership in getting that job done. Wow. wow. We're on the, on the phone with the inspirational Lynn Twist, part of our show this afternoon, the Hoffman Connection. We're going to take a quick break and uh, turn back to the phone calls to get a few more questions in in the second half of the show. Again, if you'd like to participate, our number here is 866-472-5788. 866-472-5788. And we'll be back with Lynn Twist in just a couple of minutes here on the Hoffman Connection. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And we're here this afternoon with our guest, Lynn Twist. And Lynn, we're just going to go straight to the phones. Lois in Florida has a question for you. Hey, Lois, good afternoon. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Very well. Um, Welcome. um, Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a graduate, too, of the Hoffman, and I called in about a month ago. And um, it's the first time I've listened to it again. I just went out, and I've been dealing with... Um, financial things, inheritance, and uh, what I talked about before. Um, for the last few years, the family and I have been, my sister and brother have been fighting over this inheritance, and um, it's just literally made me, you know, physically, emotionally, <laughs> mentally sick, you know. Mm. And um, I, I've been trying to find the answers, and I just went out and did a meditation, and 
and knowing that meditation will lead me to where I need to, the answers. And I came in and for the first time remembered the Hoffman radio, you know, and got on here. And then you're talking about the soul of money and everything. And I know that I need to let go. I need to, I, I just need to let go of everything. And then you're talking about like storage rooms and how I know I need to like empty out my house. I need to let go of everything and just go heal my soul. And I just don't know how to walk away. Like I feel like I need my inheritance to have the money to do what I need to do. And I am having a hard time of letting go of it or stop fighting Stop fighting for it because I need to like file some paperwork to continue trying to get this money that I'm supposed to get that I feel I need to heal, you know, that I have the money to go and do what I need to do to heal my life and to serve others and to, to heal physically, emotionally, and everything and let go of everything. So you feel um, conflicted about all that? Yeah. So I'm like, and would you like to leave I, the I comment on it? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> I'm like, how... So I just let go, I fear, you know. I don't okay, know how so to let go. Lynn, what, well, what Lois, advice might you have for Lois? <laughs> wow, Lois. <laughs> Ooh, that's a doozy. Well, um, first of all, thank you for calling and um, calling in. I um, People get completely nuts about money, particularly inheritances. Oh, money that they didn't earn, that someone else just, you know, horrible. busted their buns to get. <laughs> Pardon my French, but... It's a, it's incredible. I've worked with many, many families that are in that situation where there's a rift or a schism or a, um, and people become kind of, they, they turn into some, somebody they didn't even know. They get greedy and monstrous. Oh. And I just want to say, first of all, to have some compassion for yourself, have some compassion for your sisters and brothers and cousins or whoever it is involved, that yeah. we all live in a culture where we've made money more important than human life, more important than the natural world, more important than anything. And so when, and that's not accurate. We all know that in deep in our soul, money is not yes. more important than human life. It's not more important than a brother or a sister. But our society um, actually, uh, we're swimming in a kind of cultural suffering around money that gets amplified in a family like yours, where right. when money gets larger, the uh, the dysfunction or the greed or the kind of grabbiness oh, yeah. gets uh, a lot worse. So I, I would start by having some compassion for yourself and the people who are fighting uh, over all this money, number one. Uh, number two, know that it's not them as much as it looks like it's them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're swimming in a cultural uh, illness that everybody is infected with, and that will give you a little bit more access to your compassion, a little bit more forgiveness will be available to you. And then look and see what you really need, and don't try to get more than you need. Just be fair with yourself and be fair with your relatives. And, you know, this is a much bigger problem than we can handle on this kind of a phone call, but you might pick up the book, The Soul of Money. It might help you a little bit. Uh, Lois, uh, just stay on the line, and we'll get your name, and you will be sent complimentary, uh, a complimentary copy of Lynn's book, The Soul of Money. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. I'm so, so grateful for talking to you. Thanks for talking to me. Thank, Thank you, Lois. You. It's great to work out. Some good energy, okay, on this healing. Good. Way Thanks for turn. calling. Thank you. Um, Lynn, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, this was such a, a great 
call to have received because we see the here here we're, we can hear in her voice the suffering oh, that uh, that you know just tremendous suffering that is brought about by a lot of money. Mm. I mean, my goodness, you know, uh, uh, we we think of people suffering who don't have money, and there's the, there's just such a powerful example of the other side of it. Now, I want to change the topic very slightly here because it's still about making a big difference. I know you have an event in Chicago coming up, the Nobel Women's Initiative, and that you are like the chief strategist for this group of women who are all, you know, there are nine living women Nobel Prize laureates in the world today, and you're a chief strategic consultant to them. Can you tell us about your work with these with these amazing women, and what are you doing? Well, first of all, let me just say that um, my role with them is I don't know how to really uh, name it, but that's one way of talking about it. I was in the right place at the right time when the Nobels were meeting, all Nobels, many of the Nobels, Peace Prize laureates were meeting in Denver a few years ago, and the women looked around the room and saw that they were in the minority of Nobel Prize winners and kind of ended up deciding they were going to get together to see if they could do something together, and I was invited to uh, be part of that. And so I've been part of helping them as, um, as extraordinary leaders uh, find in what ways they can work together on women's issues. They've never, they didn't win the Nobel Prize, any of them, for women's issues, but they're women. And then they realize, gosh, there's, all of us who've won the Nobel Prize in the 115 years of the Nobel Prize, um, only 12 women have won, and nine—sorry, uh, 15 women have won, and nine of them are alive. And to have them come together and bring the cachet, the visibility, the power, the respect of the Nobel Prize to particular issues of violence against women and children is wow. what they decided to do. So um, Rigoberto Menchutum from Guatemala, Jody Williams from the United States, Moraid McGuire from Ireland, Shirin Ibadi from Iran, Betty Williams from Ireland, Asad Zanchi from uh, Burma or Myanmar, Tawako Carmen from Yemen, Lema Bowie from Liberia, and Ellen Johnson Sirleaf from Liberia are the living Nobel Women Laureates. And um, six of those nine are working very closely together with Jody Williams at the helm on uh, women's issues, particularly violence against women. And right now they're launching a worldwide campaign. This is hard to talk about, but I, I, I do want to say it. A worldwide campaign to end rape as an institutional tool or tactic of war, which it now is. It's a horrendous thing to think that um, there are people sitting around war tables in places like Darfur, uh, it also happened in Bosnia-Herzegovina, it's happening in Burma, in Tibet, actually strategizing multiple rapes in order to debilitate uh, women, powerful women, and stop them from entering the peace process. And it's become a tactic uh, of war. And the Nobel women have decided to bring it to the International Criminal Court, and bring it to the attention of the world, and they have the ear of the media, so they will be launching a, a campaign. And Jody Williams, who won the international la- uh, the, the Nobel Prize for her work to get landmines internationally banned in 1997, will lead that campaign. So it's an absolute honor to work with them, to sit in the same room with them, to sit in council with them, and 
they're remarkable people. Obviously, they won the Nobel Prize, and they're very, very busy. They all have huge, huge projects. When they come together, um, they need a facilitation, and they need kind of a uh, someone who steps in to facilitate their meetings, and that's what I do. I also um, uh, am an ally to them in making sure they have the financial wherewithal to do what they need to do as a group. So it's an unspeakable honor for me. And we're going to be doing, Jody Williams, the chair, and I are going to do uh, appear on the Inspiring Women's Summit, which is April 9th to 15th online, like this show is. Um, and you can go to inspiringwomensummit.com and find out when we're going to be on. I'm, I'm going to interview her about her work and the work of the Nobel Women's Initiative. I think it goes without saying, uh, just the incredible courage that each of these, I mean, as you were listening, speaking their names, um, you know, I was reminded of the different things they've stood for and and do stand for and uh, how they they stood up against incredible odds and terror and tyranny and horrific wars and, you know, just with their courage and the, 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 the ground they stand on, their spiritual self standing yeah, up. It's, it's just awesome. Rio Berta Menchutum, who won, she was one of the youngest. You have to take a break, probably? Or should I go ahead? Just finish your sentence, Lynn. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, it's a long story, but she, okay. um, she's, she stands for the end of genocide because her family was totally murdered, um, and she hmm. survived. And she's an example of someone who's been through the worst possible thing you could imagine, and she's become a global leader out of it. Uh, that's that's real courage. Wow. Wow. Our guest today, Lynn Twist, will be back in the final segment. Um, you can find more about Lynn's work at her website, thesoulofmoney.org. And stay tuned. We'll be back with one more segment with our guest today, Lynn Twist. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. 
Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McLoon, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And today we are talking to Lynn Twist, author of The Soul of Money. And I know, Lynn, one of your many loves is the work with Pachamama. Uh, tell us more about that. Well, first of all, the word Pachamama means uh, Mother Earth or the Earth, the sky, the universe, and all time. That's what it means to the Quechua people whose language that is, and they're the largest indigenous group in the world, um, largest indigenous uh, language-speaking group in the world. Um, and uh, we were lucky enough, Bill Twist, my husband and I, along with John Perkins, an old friend and a very, very experienced Amazonian adventure traveler, um, to be invited to visit the Achuar people in 1994. And they had had almost no uh, outside visitors. Uh, they had very little contact with the outside world, but it seemed in their dreams and visions that contact was inevitable. So they initiated it before it came to them in ways they couldn't control. And I received a series of visions and dreams um, of indigenous peoples with face paint on their faces and yellow and red feather and crowns on their heads, and it, it, it was a mystery to me. And eventually, um, through John Perkins' great knowledge of the Shuar people and um, my husband's, you know, adventuresome spirit, we went down to the um, Ecuadorian Amazon and uh, were led into the jungle by Danielle Cooperman uh, uh, into Shuar territory and then Achuar territory in small plains and dropped off by a river, and there they were, waiting for us. And our first encounter with the Achuar was in 1995, and they asked for help in preserving their territory, their lands, their culture, not just for themselves, but for the future of life. And we agreed to do that. But at that time, I was very involved with the Hunker Project. Bill was running companies. John had all kinds of other priorities. But eventually, the power of their presence, the power of their request, really became our life's work. And um, just uh, to say the full story, uh, from the very first encounter, they told us they wanted our partnership in protecting these magnificent forests of the Amazon on which all life depends. But they also wanted us to know that the real pressure comes from the dream of the modern world, is how they put it. And they told us the real work was to change the dream of the modern world. And so we've created, we, the Pachamama Alliance, have created a worldwide program called Awakening the Dreamer, Changing the Dream. It's a half-day seminar. Uh, it's a symposium format. It's delivered now by thousands and thousands and thousands of volunteer facilitators in 62 countries around the world. Um, and it really wakes people up to the environmental crisis, the social justice crisis, and the spiritual crisis and the economic crisis, and shows how they all come from the same root. Um, and so Pachamama is a wonderful part of my life and has given me enormous blessings and um, is, is really something everyone uh, who is interested, uh, there's a place for you. So Pachamama.org is how you learn more. 
Fantastic. Um, Lynn, is there anything you can tell us about your Four Years Go initiative? Well, yes. Uh, this work to change the dream of the modern world, which we began, uh, it took us a few years to figure out how to even begin to change the dream of the modern world, kind of a big topic, a big to-do. Uh, right. We were very very useful to the Amazonian people in helping them understand accounting and money and that they lived in Ecuador or Peru or Bolivia or Colombia so that that part of our work really started right away. But then when they said, you've got to go home and change the dream of the modern world, it took us a while to figure that out. And when we began the symposium program, this educational transformational program that I'd say is about a half day long, um, it was enormously successful right off the bat, and thousands of people wanted to be trained to lead it. So we sort of patting ourselves on the back, and then we looked at the conditions of the world, and we realized we're not going to reach enough people fast enough to really turn the tide. So we began to see that we needed to create a kind of campaign to wake people up faster, have them see what a critical time in history we're living in, and have them see that we're now living at the time that is the pivot time. It is the time when we must shift the trajectory of the human family away from an inhospitable, unsustainable, violent future, which is where we're headed, to a hospitable, nourishing, spiritually fulfilling, sustainable, peaceful future. And these are the years when we can do it. And it is happening, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. And we call that... We've named that four years ago to shift the trajectory so that we can go to work to fulfill that positive future. And, and, and there's kind of a tipping point in here. I mean, if we don't do it now, sometime around now, it's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be possible, right? Well, things will start becoming irreversible probably after 2014, 2015. So mm. we can create a positive tipping point now rather than wait for a horrendous cataclysm that will force a change, a huge change, but to author the positive tipping point before we have a negative one that's so horrendous that it takes away the future from some of our future generations is really the point of four years ago. But I want to say it's not out of fear. It's out of love that we make this change. And that's Beautiful. the power of the four years ago meme or message. And people can go to fouryearsgo.org and learn more and see there's a whole solutions section. They can sign on and be a four-years-go person and start making commitments. What are they going to do by the end of 2014 that will shift the trajectory of the human family in a positive direction? So that's the four-years-go. Um, that's kind of my mini four-years-go presentation. <laughs> I'm sure you could talk a lot more if we asked you to. I could do a maxi of all these things. <laughs> yeah, really fun. Right. Lynn, thank <laughs> you so time. much. Oh, thank you. It's you are a person who's making a, a wonderful difference, and it's wow. just—it's inspiring to be um, on the line here with you. And thank you for for being part of our show today. And as oh, you know, Hoffman, our goal is to change the world one one life at a time, one person at a time. Well, I'm and, I'm so proud to be a Hoffman graduate myself, and I want to thank you, Ed. And you know, Raz has been one of my longtime friends, and he's a great hero for me. Raz, I love you so much, and Hoffman totally made all of the things that I'm saying possible for me. So I'm, I'm a huge Hoffman advocate, a graduate, uh, and a lover of Hoffman Institute. 
Thank you so much. And we're going to ask all our listeners to tell your friends about this show. It'll be archived at uh, our website, and you can find it there. Also at our website, hoffmaninstitute.org, you can find information about our regular 5 p.m. introduction calls about the Hoffman process, including starting just a few minutes. Um, so it's a confidential um, free call to learn more about the Hoffman process. Raz, thanks. It was a great show. Next week, we've got John Gray, the Venus Connection, and I'm looking forward to that as well, talking about love in a more intimate sense. Yeah, John Gray, the great, the great Venus and Mars uh, spokesman and uh, you know, inventor, really, of that fantastic metaphor that's empowered so many beautiful relationships. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Hoffman Connection. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoone, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.